Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Thanks for listening to The Gist. If you want to check out an ad-free version and bonus content, go to subscribe.mikepesca.com. It is the best way to directly support our endeavors. It's Thursday, April 6th, 2023 from Peachfish Productions. It's The Gist. I'm Mike Pesca. The Tennessee House of Representatives voted on expelling three members today. The misdeeds of Representatives Gloria Johnson of Knoxville, Justin Jones of Nashville, and Justin Pearson of Memphis included pulling out a megaphone while on the House floor and leading chants of the citizens in the gallery who were advocating for gun control in the wake of the Covenant School shooting. Jones, two days ago, was also engaged in a scuffle over a cell phone with a fellow Republican representative, which led to Jones filing criminal charges, by the way, a few years ago. Jones himself was charged with throwing a cup of coffee at a congressman. The charges were later dropped. During the protests last week, the three were gaveled out of order, and fellow Democrats, including House Minority Leader Karen Camper, unsuccessfully tried to persuade them to move off the House floor. They resisted. Joe Towns, a representative from the Memphis area since 1995, did not approve of the methods of his fellow black Democrats, in Pearson and Jones's case, both freshmen. Quote, I just told them to bring their ass on. Let's get over to this room over here so I can tell you what's getting ready to happen. He was quoted by the Tennessee lookout as saying. Towns continued, I said, damn it, I don't want to hear that shit. I'm talking now. Plus, you know I don't play that shit. But today, Towns called the expulsion move an ambush. The expulsion would be the third in Tennessee's history and the only one to take place on partisan lines. Past censured and expelled parties include a congressman who accepted bribes and one who engaged in sexual misconduct. The three representatives today spoke from the House floor and fielded questions from their fellow members. All of the African-American speakers were Democrats and all defended them. They appealed to mercy. They appealed to proportionality. They appealed to the notion of what goes around comes around. Plus, they said, we were all once young and impassioned. But there were odd occurrences, rather than just Republicans calling for law and order. For instance, South Asian Republican Sabi Kumar accused Jones of insultingly calling him a brown face. Jones says his comment was that Representative Kumar put a brown face on white supremacy, which was ruled out of order, but then allowed to stand. Here's Republican Representative Johnny Garrett with a question for Jones. I ask you this simple question. Were your actions last week, as you define them, were they disorderly and disruptive to this House chamber? And here is Jones's answer. I think the honest answer is that I believe that my presence here as one of the youngest black lawmakers who speaks for my district is disruptive to the status quo. I believe that's what is disruptive, that when I'm in committee and you seek to pass agendas that harm my community, I say objection, point of order, I don't agree, my constituents deserve a voice, that is disruptive and to the status quo because you would have us bow down 
but Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego said, we shall not bow. And that is what I say to you, Representative Garrett, that we shall not bow. That is what I say to the House Speaker, that we shall not bow. Jones is a Divinity School graduate. The vote in the 99-seat chamber, made up of 75 Republicans, was along party lines. Jones was expelled. The other two votes took place after press time for the gist. While unprecedented, two practical matters are true. One is that an expulsion vote is not binding. The three will likely or could very well return to the chamber. They could even be placed back there by their county commissions. They could get reelected. The other thing that's also true is that Tennessee has no plans to take up any form of gun control. On the show today, I shall spiel about Vladimir Zelensky and all that he's doing. But first, I was once a sports reporter, Super Bowls, World Series. But, you know, I wanted to broaden my subject matter. But I do still love a good sports trivia conversation now and again. My next guest, Mike Greenberg, is the host of ESPN's morning show, Get Up, along with lots of other gigs in the history of that network. And he's just written a book, Got Your Number, The Greatest Sports Legends and the Numbers They Own. We get into some sports trivia. Up next, Greeny, as they call him, Mike Greenberg. I'm here to tell you about one of the most attractive automobiles you're ever going to lay your eyes on. And it's not just how good it looks. It's everything that can do. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design. The exterior, which won me over, is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing. The interior is built with integrity using the most robust of materials. The Defender capability is legendary, whether you're facing off-road challenges or harsh weather conditions. The Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. Cargo capacity means you got room for your gear. To drive the Defender is to do what you do via your intellect, via your passions in life. It is to explore with greater confidence. Ready for a wide range of adventures? The Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, the Defender 130 that seats up to eight. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. Baseball, they say, is a game of inches. They also say football is a game of inches. Al Pacino said game of inches in a famous movie directed by Oliver Stone. The point is, I think all of these games are games of inches because inches are units of measurement, which is to say numbers. Sports and numbers are so intertwined as to be an exercise in numbers, if you want to enjoy it that way. Mike Greenberg has written a new book called Got Your Number? The greatest sports legends and the numbers they own, not necessarily the numbers they wore, the numbers they own. Greenberg is a longtime ESPN voice, and uh, we've got his number now. Hi, Mike. How are you? I am very well. Thank you very much for having me. That was an excellent intro. I really like the way you broke that down, the inches and the numbers. I'm trying to think if there are any distances. Uh, There actually is. One of the numbers Again, very quickly, the concept of the book is that we decided, my collaborator Hembo has been doing my research for more than a decade now, and I decided who in sports history owns 
every number in sports history from one through 100. And one of them, some of them are, um, most of them are jersey numbers. But many others, we found other creative ways to assign ownership of those numbers. And one of them is a distance. If you want to guess it, feel free. If you guess, let's put it this way. If you guess it, I'm trying to think what I can do for you. I don't even know what I'll do for you. I will be so flabbergasted. It is, or you were telling me that you used to do something called the ungoogleable question. I'm yes. going to say this is the unguessable ownership of number. Okay. So I think I'm going to guess. Here's what I would do. I don't know if this is will be what you did, but I want to get the right number. Um, is it Secretariat's distance of victory in the uh, Belmont Stakes? That's what I would do. Did you read the book? Have no, they sent I, you yeah. a copy of the book? I read a lot. I read a yeah. I got the book right here. Did you did you already did you know that? Or Swear to God, I did not know that. that because because if I knew it, I'd have the number off the top of my head. And that's is that correct? Yes, the oh number my God. is thirty one because that is the unit. That is the number. Hold on, I'm going to get it for you. Thirty one right lengths. <laughs> the number of lengths. Secretariat. Let me find it right here. I've got the write up of it right here. Oh, I got it right here. Um, yeah. Which is a record in a city. It, 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 31 lengths of the Belmont are a record that will never be broken, human or not. Secretariat absolutely deserves. That's the most incredible guess. <laughs> the fact that all I told you was that it was a unit of measurement. I did not tell you that it was a non human yeah. um, that, that owned the, the number itself. That is one of the most, honestly. That's one of the most incredible guesses I've ever seen in my entire life of anything. You deserve to win something. I wish something. I had a billion dollars to give you because you deserve a billion dollars for guessing that right. Well, thank you. I guess I could never truly prove I wasn't faking it because I do have the book in front of me, but I swear to God, I, I never read that. And what I was thinking about as I uh, leafed through the book was there is a very famous trivia question that I think is no longer... Uh, true, no longer applicable. And I remember um, I was a caller to WFAN when Ian Eagle was hosting. And this is when I was in college. So it's probably 1991. And he was doing trivia while uh, the now estimable uh, host and voice of so many football and basketball broadcasts was doing a stint overnight on FAN. And it was in the history of Sports Illustrated, Newsweek, and Time magazine, there have been shared covers exactly four times. One was a man, one was a woman, one was a team, and one was an animal. And so I remembered that somehow, Secretariat being the animal. That's a great question. I like that. Do you remember who the man, woman, and team were? Yes. I And it might not be true. I just looked it up. But... Uh, the team, first of all, let's try the I'm gonna team. I'm going to guess who the team was. You're going to get the team, I think. I'm going to guess the team was the Miracle on Ice. That team. was the team, correct. Yeah. The names that jumped to mind, and I couldn't name the year, but the name that jumps to mind is Muhammad Ali. Yes, it was. And the woman... Billie Jean King? The answer happens to be, I'll give you this hint, not an American woman. Not an American woman. So it's Sports Illustrated, Time, and Newsweek? Yes, not an American woman. Um, so, I mean, I'm thinking through the athletes, really, by and large, most of it, it could be someone like Nadia Comaneci or that someone is like who, that. Yes, that is who. That is who I have as someone who has appeared on those covers on the, in the same week. There may have been others since then. Anyway, like so many trivia questions, it's antiquated. Another of my favorite trivia questions is... 
in the history of baseball, there have only been nine back-to-back MVPs, and they've all played different positions, name them. That's no longer true, right? especially especially with Bonds winning back-to-back-to-back-to-back, but that's you a great question. You had to know question. Hal Neuhauser for that one. That was always <laughs> the one that threw you off, because it was Hal Neuhauser during the World War II years um, was the pitcher, and that's the one that you either knew it or you didn't. If you didn't right. know it, you were never going to guess it. I, I, I always loved that question, too. The first baseman was tough, too. Do you remember? It's been a long time. So, I mean, obviously, it's not Gehrig or Greenberg or um, because if you're saying it's tough, then it wouldn't be any of the obvious ones. Right. Uh, The first baseman. Was it Mark McGuire, was it? It wasn't. No, because I remember doing this long before Mark McGuire. Remember that question coming up long before the answer could have been Mark McGuire. Right. Um, it's funny to reminisce about old trivia questions that are no longer true. That but are no longer applicable, yeah. I'll give you a hint that won't help. Um, right. This actual person inspired a film character who had an iconic scene in the history of cinema about baseball. Played by Tom Hanks. Oh, so inspired something from a league of their own. There's no yes. crying in baseball or something who was, like that. Who was he supposed to be? Do you remember? No, that's a great. Oh, good God. Yeah. Like a guy who would became a drunk and like a great book. Um, I mean, I'm only saying that because I know what the character Tom yes, Hanks plays yes. is. You got to tell me. I don't know. Jimmy Fox. Oh, Jimmy. Okay. Old fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I should have. That's that's one you should just guess based on the fact that it's 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 a reasonable one to try and guess. But right. I love those questions. There's another one that I think I don't mean to take up all of our time with this. I love but it. There's another one that I think is also no longer applicable. But I believe there were four universities that produced both presidents of the United States and Super Bowl MVPs. Yes, I, I think there are now more. Well, cause, or, or something. Cause Tom Brady and Gerald Ford. So Brady's done it a lot, right? And Desmond Howard too. Desmond Howard was also the so Brady. Michigan is one of them because of Brady and Desmond Howard. Oh, Super Bowl MVPs. Okay, right. Super uh, Bowl MVPs. All right. So I got. I'm pretty sure I have. Well, Stanford is both Jim Plunkett and John Elway, right? And also um, Herbert Hoover. Very good. That's a good one. Yes. And and one that I, it's a little unfair because my sister went there, but I happen to know Miami of Ohio was That's both great. Benjamin That's Harrison yeah. and, um, and Big Ben Roethlisberger. That's one people don't usually get. Okay. And I just thought of the last one. The last I, one is brutally hard. Go ahead. I But in the news, I just thought of it. It's uh, Naval Academy, Jimmy Carter and uh, Roger Staubach. That's a great question. And I'll t- I'm giving you a round of applause, and I'll tell you why. Because most people, my if my go-to, because I didn't, I only know this because of the answer to the trivia question. I was a kid when Carter was president, but if you just said to me off the top of your head, where did Jimmy Carter go to college? I would guess Georgia. You know, like you would just, mm-hmm. I don't know, the mm-hmm. University of Georgia. Just sounds right. like it made sense. Right. He was the governor of Georgia, so like that just. And then you seemed- could say, was Stafford the MVP? Is uh, he? An no, MV- it's Staubach. No, no, I know, but did Stafford yeah. was Stafford name MVP two years ago? I forgot of that Super Bowl. If he had gone to Georgia, then it would be an answer. No, still. I think it was Cooper Cup. Okay, that oh right, that makes I sense. I think it but was. Damn Cooper it! Cup. Who threw Cooper Cup all those balls? So let's talk a little bit more about the book. Um, yeah. It's it seemed like as fun an exercise to put it together as can be. You're talking to your longtime producer and researcher Hembo, who you have a great relationship with. There are no wrong answers, and you could both be creative and 
You could spend some time writing paragraphs that honor greatness. You could bring to light fun facts that the listener didn't know. I did a book with uh, about sports with greatest in the subtitle, the greatest what ifs. But was this a pleasure to put together is my question. It was. It was. I, so this is. I've done several books before, and writing a book is generally a very solitary, lonely, um, labor-intensive process. Um, I lived in Connecticut during the when my kids were growing up, and, and so I would lock my, I would go to the library, and I had this little corner in the library that I found to be the quietest place in the library, and I would sit there and I would write by myself for hours on end, and there were days when nothing was coming out, and it was just. I always found that process very hard. Now, it was also the most satisfying when you conclude of anything I've ever done. The feeling of, of, com- of completing a book is infinitely more satisfying than completing a show. But, um, but it was very hard to do. This was nothing like that. So, so I've always wanted to do a sports book, but I never had a good enough idea. And, and the idea came from one day a bunch of us were sitting around, a bunch of guys just like you who work on the Get Up show just a bunch of sports geeks who love nothing more than just talking about sports. In, I mean, the, the minutia of sports history. And we were making the observation for no reason at all. How many Hall of Fame quarterbacks all wore the jersey number 12? Joe Namath, Bob Greasy, Roger Staubach, Terry Bradshaw, Jim Kelly, Ken Stabler, and soon to be Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. And Pete McConville is one of the guys who works on the show, said to me, yeah, Greenie, they all wore the number 12, but who owns the number 12? And boom, a light bulb went off over my head. And so that's where the idea came from. So I hired Hembo and we did the book. So the way we did it was, first, I had him do a little cursory looking into who were some of the options. Like, it didn't take us a lot of time to know who three was going to be, who 12 was going to be, who 42 was going to be, who 23 was going to be, who 99 was going to be. Those were the obvious ones. But so I said, let's, you know, put together a list. Who were we, th- who are we talking about for number one, for number two, for number six, for, you know. So then we sat down over the course of a couple of days and we made the decisions and they were hard. I went with my gut on some of them. Some of them I asked him for a little more statistical research before we made final decisions. And then once we made the final calls, he went off and he would do the research and he would do a player and that or a person, whoever it was, a horse. <laughs> um, and he would send it to me and then I would sit down and write that chapter. And each of them are about 500 words. So they're very snackable for a reader, I hope. It's like two or three pages. So each one was sort of like writing an essay. Yeah. And what I liked about it, I don't know about if you grew up this way, Mike, but I loved reading about sports history as a kid. I did not read much of anything else. I read sports books when I was a kid, and I loved it. So what I like about this book is that it is sort of part sports debate, which is to say, I chose this person for number four, and you may very well disagree, and we could go back and forth about that. You you certainly might look at my choices, and we can talk about that here if you want a little, and, and disagree on them. So there's the debate element of it. But then... What I promise anyone who reads this is that there will be things you read, whether you agree with the choice or not. You will learn stuff about the people that are in this book that you did not already know, no matter how astute a sports historian you may think yourself to be. And that is a credit to to Hembo, whose research is just unbelievable. Um, So it's really part sports debate and part sports history. And that that is what it was. I didn't even really think of it that way. It was really all I thought about was the debate part of it until we started actually doing it. But upon finishing it and now reading it through, I just read the whole thing from start to finish for the audiobook. That's the part of it that actually appeals to me more. Whether you agree or disagree with me is 
I think, less important than what I hope you will get out of reading the, the history piece of it. So that combination, yeah. I'm, I'm sort of pleasantly happy with. So there must have been some numbers where the candidates were rife. Um, I was thinking of number four going in. I said, will he do Roger Bannister or will he do Lou Gehrig? Then again, if you do Lou Gehrig, you could do every Yankee single digit number. But God, gosh darn, Lou Gehrig. And you chose Bobby Orr. And I can't complain about that. I mean, I want to ask you about the other side. Were there numbers for which it was a little hard to get a very strong candidate? Yes. So, so, so those are two totally separate things. But yes, there were. So, so four, for example, the two hardest numbers to decide were four and 21. Mm-hmm. So four was Bobby Orr, Brett Favre, and Lou Gehrig. And 21 was Tim Duncan, Deion Sanders, mm. Roberto Clemente. Mm. Those are brutal decisions to have to make. Yeah. To have to leave four of those six people out of the book. And if you had bigger numbers, you could do 3,000 for Clemente, which is the iconic number I associate with him. But because, because of the last of his uh, hits. Yes. Yeah. But so, so we make the decisions we made and those were what they were. Uh, they were hard. And I made, as I write in the beginning of the book, I made these decisions based on criteria that I alone chose. And to point out the inconsistency of them, I chose Clemente over Duncan and Sanders because I decided I'm going to consider their careers a wash and I'm going to go based on historical stature and go with Clemente. In the case of four, I decided to bypass historical stature, which obviously would be Gehrig, and go with their greatness. Orr was just a greater player. I mean, yes. Bobby Orr is the second greatest player in the history of hockey. And and it isn't Mario Lemieux. It isn't Mark Messier. It isn't Gordie Howe. It's, it's Bobby Orr. And he deserved that ahead of Gehrig and Favre, who I think was a somewhat distant third. Yes. Um, it's or, or maybe maybe cutting through the decision is, do any of them have a statue? Right. And if the answer is yes, go with that guy. And Bobby Orr is right there outside. Yeah. Of, now, Gehrig probably does have a statue, actually. But not outside of Yankee Stadium, not at Columbia. Where else would it be? Upper Yorktown on the Upper East Side? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know. So, so, so those were yeah. the decisions you made there. Now, to come to the next part, you mentioned that 31 we gave to Secretariat because of the Belmont. You mentioned that we could have given Roger Bannister four because he broke the four-minute mile. Right. What we quickly realized were there weren't enough greats to fill the jersey numbers. Like, we couldn't fill up all the jersey numbers. We would have been putting in people who just don't belong in the same company as Bobby Orr and Roberto Clemente if we just insisted on finding someone who wore the jersey number 73 and was the best one. I mean, I will forever love Joe Klecko. He's my favorite player ever, but he doesn't oh, yeah. belong on the same very short list as Bobby Orr. So, so, so the, at the same time, we also came to the realization that you don't want to do this book and not have Muhammad Ali in it and not have Serena Williams in it and not right. have Tiger Woods and people like that in it. So we've got to invent numbers for people who didn't have jersey numbers. So that's right. where that came from. So what we did was... My first default was always jersey number, which is why we the hardest decision I had to make was to give 80 to, Jer, to Jerry Rice over the Miracle on Ice. The Miracle on Ice is, is probably the most beloved and memorable moment in American sports history. It's probably number one. But I thought I should default to the jersey. Like Jerry Rice is, is – you can't do a book like this and not include Jerry Rice. Right. And, and his jersey number is 80. So, so there was that. For, for the ones, 
So we found numbers for all the people who needed to be in the book and who did not have jerseys. And that's how we satisfied that. That's how for the jersey numbers that did not give us a great candidate, we found someone to put there. So that's how the golfers get in the book and the tennis players get in the book and the Olympians and people like that. Mike Greenberg, along with Paul Hembo. Hembakidis is the author of Got Your Number, The Greatest Sports Legends and the Numbers They Own. You know Mike from ESPN, Get Up, 25 years. He was once one of the pairs on Mike and Mike, and I guess now, again, he is right now with me. Mike, thanks so much. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for your interest in this. And for those of you who didn't get enough of the trivia, Pesca Plus subscribers are getting 20 more minutes of this conversation. In fact... If you're a Pesca Plus Jets fan, this will be for you. And if you are not, well, you know, it'll still be for you. To become a Pesca Plus subscriber or to listen to the gist ad-free, go to subscribe.mikepesca.com. There are over 90,000 people missing at any time, and over half a million are reported missing every year. And that's just in the United States. I'm Mike Morford. And I'm Jess Betancourt. And in our podcast, Missing Persons, we discuss cases of people who have gone missing under mysterious circumstances. And we're joined in each episode by guests who are either related to the missing person, investigating their disappearance, or advocating for answers in the case. Missing Persons is available everywhere you listen to podcasts, and there are dozens of episodes to binge on right now. Subscribe today so you don't miss an episode. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. And now the spiel. We don't think enough about Vladimir Zelensky and all that's on his plate, all that he's doing. He's making military decisions. He's keeping tabs on his generals. He's keeping his entire government together. He's engaging in multinational diplomatic visits. Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky is in Poland today to meet with his Polish counterpart, President Andrzej Duda. They're expected to discuss security and economic cooperation. This was Zelensky's first formal visit to Ukraine's western neighbor and most steadfast military ally, Poland. While there, he must have thanked the Polish president for the MiGs that were already shipped, four of those airplanes, and he secured eight more, as was announced late in the press conference. Zelensky has to worry about security, has to monitor the battle, and all of this before the big meeting with the Polish fellow head of state. That's right, that was all the Duda day. All right, if you thought I was engaged in a long and wending path through the battlefields of Bakhmut and the airways of Warsaw just to make a pun, you are wrong. Though when the pun presented itself, I could not turn it down. Zelensky has made the decision to engage in the fiercest fighting in the war, the bloodiest infantry battle since World War II over the eastern town of Bakhmut, whose military value is negligible. It is a symbolic fight. It's a place where, up until recently, Ukrainians have been getting better of the Russians. And that's important. Here is the assessment of Joint Chiefs of Staff General Mark Milley speaking and testifying before the House Armed Services Committee last week. For about the last uh, 20, 21 days, 
The Russians have not made any progress whatsoever uh, in and around Bakhmut. So it's a slaughter fest for the Russians. Uh, they're getting hammered in the, in the vicinity of Bakhmut, and the Ukrainians have fought very, very well. So in terms of exchange, bodies for bodies, it favors the Ukrainians. But in terms of strongholds or linchpins, Bakhmut isn't it. According to a pre-war census, Bakhmut is the 58th largest city in Ukraine. So how Henderson, Nevada ranks in the U.S. imagination and importance, so does Bakhmut loom equally humbly to the Ukrainians. Bakhmut is important because Bakhmut is important. As military analyst Michael Kaufman, fellow for the Center for a New American Security, said in the War on the Rocks podcast recently. The reason they're holding Bakhmut is because it's politically important, politically symbolic, right? Wars are contests of wills. And Zelensky has chosen to make Bakhmut politically yeah. symbolic. And military strategy is fundamentally political. But now, as Kaufman makes clear using terms like attritional grind and exchange rate, meaning bodies, not currency, the calculation might be changing. The Russian mercenaries, the Wagner Group, have planted a flag atop City Hall in the last couple of days. This does not mean, as per their claims, that Bakhmut is taken. Russian bodies are still piling up. But it does show that the defense of the city isn't going as well as it has. And unlike with the Russians' ability to conscript criminals, the Ukrainian manpower is limited. So if the Russians do wind up withstanding the slaughter and taking over the whole town, the good news will be, as we said, it's not a particularly strategic place. It's not large. It is the size of Passaic, New Jersey, and it's in no more crucial position than any of the towns nearby. The Ukrainians can fall back and regroup. On the other hand, because it has been held out as symbolically important, it can't just become unimportant if lost. When Zelensky, days before the Duda Day, in fact, was asked by AP executive editor Julie Pace about the fight, here's how he answered. The interview was conducted on a train, which explains the poor sound quality. Is this part of why you are fighting so hard in Bakhmut? Because a lot of military analysts will say that strategically, it's not that significant. Because that will be weaker for him. He will and any victory. Yes, he will sell this victory. He will sell this victory to West, to his society, to China. But in justifying the fight, Zelensky raises the stakes. And now losing could bring with it the costs that he just laid out. Yeah, Putin can make all those claims on the international stage. A defeat in Bakhmut will be the first large-scale battle of choice the Ukrainians have lost. You can make the case that it wasn't really a choice. You can make the case that it wasn't really lost. Literally now, it's not yet lost, but my point is more that the costs incurred by the Russians might make it a victory. And also, now that it's April, and now that the thaw has come, the Ukrainians are expected not just to withstand, but to go on the offensive. And this is why all that Zelensky does, from PR, to diplomacy, to decision-making, to politics is all so essential and so laudable. All of the politics, all of the symbolism, all of this is what keeps the fight and his country's hope alive. And that's it for today's show. Just producer Corey Wara knows when traveling to northern Poland, he could Gdansk like no one's watching. 
Joel Patterson, senior producer of The Gist, on a trip to Poland, became addicted to regional dairy products, a development explained by the fact that it all came from Krakow. Michelle Pasca, VP of Philanthropy for Peachfish Productions, works with Catholic charities to secure housing services for Ukrainian refugees. So the other day, when discussing with her liaison at Catholic Charities, their favorite Polish popes and top two favorite Beatles, the ranking in both cases was John Paul II. The Gist is presented in collaboration with Lipson's AdvertiseCast. For advertising inquiries, go to AdvertiseCast.com slash The Gist. Oomperu, Gperu, Duperu, and thanks for listening. first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code welcome 10 for ten dollars off your first purchase get ten dollars off your first purchase with code welcome 10 at caskers.com